this is the Corner to Calm podcast. In 2017, I realized my personal life was completely at odds with my professional life. I am now on a journey to speak with entrepreneurs, community leaders, and beyond to discover what motivated them to make the change, what motivated them to move from corporate to calm. Hey there, you are very welcome to today's episode of Corporate to Calm. I am speaking to Lisa Haysha from Soul Blazing. Lisa was a born star and after her turning her back on Hollywood, she decided to pursue a career in traveling and went on her own trailblazing, soul blazing, 60 country journey. She has visited the most obscure countries. She has spoken to what we perceive to be the most dangerous people who are simply just like me and you. I really hope you enjoy Lisa's journey from corporate to camp. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the corporate to camp podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, I am so happy to be here. Thank you. Listen, let's start. Tell me about you. Where did it all begin? How did you become a soul blazer? Oh, it, it's a long story. I, um, started in childhood, of course. Um, I think one of the first instances was when I was 10 years old, my mother, uh, my maternal grandmother came over and said that she went to a psychic and that her daughter would marry a foreigner and have five daughters and one would be a star. And then when I was 10, she came over and shared, oh, and your mom was 14. She said that she was going to marry a foreigner and she married a Middle Eastern guy. And she had five daughters. So I said, I get to be the star. <laughs> and, uh, my other sisters, I think it just went past them. They didn't care. They had other stuff going on. And I thought, what is a star? You know, so I started reading biographies about Lauren Bacall and Aubrey Hepburn and Liz Taylor and all these people. And, um, and I think that started to set something inside me where it gave me direction, where I started working on aspects of myself that would lend itself to eventually becoming that. But in my family, we were brought up to um, just go to school, get married and have kids and work in the local business. So, and you marry a good um, Chaldean, we're Christian Arabs, so a good Chaldean boy. And so going, moving to Los Angeles or to be a celebrity or a star was like not in the cards, but I'm secretly going, oh, that's what I'm going to do. You know, it was my secret plan of action. And then when I was 16, there was an incident where I um, was baking a cake a couple of houses down at a friend's house. And when I came home, the streetlights were on because um, it was our other close friend's birthday the next day. And when I opened the door, my dad had a gun pointed at me, at my heart. And I'm like, what is going on here? And he's like, um, I came home, you know, surprise. And this is what I find out. You're out on the streets at this time. And this is during Charles Manson and all that. So he was scared having four teenagers, female in the house. And so he made me an example. But he started saying, send her to an orphanage. She can't stay here anymore. Like, what's an orphanage, you know? And I went to my room crying and I want to move out and I hate my life and all that but what that did was um and my dad's a great guy he was he was brought up in Iraq and that's what he knew and he wanted to scare to protect everybody and to keep us online but 
um, it, what it did to me was broke down of what if everything I've been told by your parents who you love and they're your heroes, what if everything is wrong and what if there's a different way? And so I started sneaking out and hitchhiking and would only get in cars with like dangerous people, like hell's angels type stuff. And then I would ask them, who are you? Why do you have piercings? Why do you have tattoos? Why are you broke? Why do you have this like shitty car? <laughs> you, know? well, you, you were on the East coast at this stage. No, San Diego. You were in San Diego. Okay. Okay. I was born in Detroit until okay. 10, like 10 to 22. I was in San Diego. Okay. Okay. And moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. So nobody hurt me. And I did that at least, I don't know. I want to say a dozen times or so over a year. And everyone was like, uh, an angel, you know, I've traveled to over 60 countries. And yeah. so I think those were my first trips, you know, cause I always had this craving for traveling. Cause they would take me on a little journey. They're like, where do you want to go? I'm like, nowhere. I just kind of wanted to get to know you. Like, even though I never knew you before, I wanted to know someone like you and pick your brain of why I'm supposed to be afraid of you. My dad said, be afraid of you. You guys, I can't walk on the street because you guys are going to come pick me up and hurt me. Why do you hurt people? Why would he say that if you don't hurt people? Where does this, you know, just bombard them with questions. Yeah. And they all were so sweet and answered. And, you know, I, this is just who I am. And I like who I am. And I don't need millions. I am happy living a smaller life and living each day to the fullest and chilling a lot, you know, whatever their answers were. And I went, oh, wow. So there's different ways of living. And it, just if someone looks a certain way, doesn't mean they are a certain way. And we're all unique individuals. So Absolutely. I'm starting to put all these pieces together. You know, there was a lot of prejudice in our family. And, you know, you have to be this way and that way. This is your political views. This is who you can marry. This is who you could be friends with. And you don't, you stay away from these people. And I'm like, oh, all that's not true. And you can hang out with anybody and everyone. It's the individual, not the culture, not the traditions, not the, that was my thinking. So it really opened me up. And then when I was um, 22, I went to Madonna's first concert was at San Diego State. My Amazing. Of the Virgin too. And I'm like, oh my God, she broke away. She grew up with a patriarchal father and had all these siblings and all this drama. So how did she do it? So I'm like, I got to meet Madonna. So I went to the concert, found out where the band was playing. And I went to that hotel and eventually they came after about an hour. I was just about to give up. I was with my girlfriend. And then we, you know, snuck into the room with them, snuck into the elevator. And um, so I started talking to some of the members and then of course they're like, oh, there's a lot of action going on, little, you know, flirting and sexual stuff and a few drugs here and there. I'm like, oh, we can't, I can only stay here like 20 minutes because we have church tomorrow morning and we don't do this. <laughs> Why? Why are you here? I'm like, ah, my dad will get mad at me. He's like, you're 22. What are you talking about? You freak. And anyway, so we connected and we exchanged phone numbers and kept in touch for a couple of months, kept saying, come to Utah, come to Arizona, come to, you know, wherever they were playing. I'm like, I'm not allowed spend the night because you're almost 23 I'm like I'm not allowed to spend the night until I'm married then we could go to it so finally I said you know what I'm gonna go because then they ended up in New York for five days to yeah. end her concert five concerts there and I said I have to go to that so I left a note so sorry I'm in New York this opportunity I'm I'm gone I, I'm safe I'm gone I'll be back and I just went and it was just so enlightening and I said Madonna how do you become Madonna this is my situation I explained everything then she said, you have to travel and travel alone because we're taught to, what do you want? You know, yeah. sacrifices everything. And um, do you want coffee? Oh, if you do, I'll have some. You don't want to go here? Okay, sure. Where do you want to go tonight for 
clubs, you know, wherever you want to go, what are you in the mood for? So because you have to know who you are, know thyself as Socrates says, right? So I um, did that. I started doing that. And then I just never stopped. It became like over 60 countries. And sometimes I'll have someone meet me there after a week or two, but I always travel alone, at least for a week in those places. Sometimes I would travel for a month. And I did those silent retreats and I was in Kyoto and Nepal and all these amazing. amazing. And when you were like discovering this, that this was your path, like all, all this solo traveling was your path, did your parents ever realize that this was what you were doing? You were escaping and you were finding out about different types of people. Was Did they ever, did you ever get in trouble or did you always cover your tracks? Well, when I came back from New York and then I went to Europe for a two-week trip, um, then when I came back to San Diego, they told everyone that I, oh, her school took her there. It was geography class, a history class, and, you know, to save face. And then I said, I have to move to LA. I've got to follow my journey. They're like, no, no. So it was like, oh, we're disowning you from, you know, whatever. I was like, fine, disown me. But within a couple of months, they came around and really my dad. And uh, my mom was always okay with it. But my dad, she's American. And my dad finally said, okay, then let me come up to LA. And, you know, he saw my apartment and freaked out because it was a gross, like, it's a horrible roach infested blue shag carpet that I was sharing with a roommate, a girlfriend of mine, a one bedroom. So we shared a bed, all this gross, like garage sale furniture. He's like, what are you living here like this for? You can't live like this. It was like his name or something. I said, I have to dad. And we had butcher paper on the wall for art. And then we draw on it or put, you know, clippings from magazines. We had Rolling Stone and Vanity Fair, all these stuff there. And he's like, you can't live like this. It was like embarrassing for him to have it. I said, I have to live like this. I don't want your money because I read in, you know, all these stories, Barbara Streisand, Lauren Bacall, they all struggled. And I said, if you take the struggle from me, I'm not going to, it's not about your destination. It's about the journey of getting there. And even if you never make it, it's still your journey. I said, dad, I need this journey. This is what everyone did. I can't just go and have a nice place. I said, because then I'm going to miss out on this. So and oh, what's your goodness. proudest moment of that time? Like what 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 are you so proud of? And like what what's your favorite moment as well? What well, there's so many. Um, um maybe one of the proudest moments is quitting acting because I got after a year and a half because I was getting so many me too moments and you know, really? three seconds of nudity, five seconds of nudity, jump on a bed here, do this there, and all these sex scenes and all I could see is Muad and Riyadh and Sa'ad and Ramsey and Zuhair and all that stuff. And um, I just couldn't um, handle that. And so I just, you know, said, I'm, I'm stopping because everything I'm working so hard for a career, then all this would get in the way and I would not take roles or take this. So I said, okay, maybe I'll be a writer or director because I thought um, you had to be an actress because the psychic said you're going to be famous and yeah. women in my culture, you don't, you're not the boss. So you're an actor. So you're told what to do. You can't be the writer or producer or someone in charge. That was in my thinking. But as I was growing, I was like, oh no, I can do this. And I sing other role models doing it. So I started writing a script and I actually met someone who took me to Tahiti. So I wrote it on Brando's Island of how to write a screenplay in 21 days. So, okay, protagonist. Okay, now what do I do? Page two, you add this, you add that. 
And it was a sweet little story. I was painting all the time. So it was about a girl who paints. And every time she wakes up in the morning, there was a symbol on her painting that she didn't paint, like a clue to something. She's like, what does this mean? So on a tour to all the art galleries of trying to figure out what the symbol means. And at the end, she finds out and then she dies. <laughs> but but um, they bought it. And then Orion went under and it was a big studio like Paramount. Wow. And they said, I'd have to pay three times the amount to get it back. And I didn't have money. So I'm like, oh, I got to become a producer and help raise the money. So um, I got offered to model in Tokyo because I was still with an agent to do commercials, not film or TV. So um, I got that. So I went there. Then I started pushing. Long story short, because we don't have a long time on this call. But I ended up raising a million dollars to do this movie. And then, but how I did it was there was... um, a board, you know, a ball bearing company, robotic equipment. And, you know, as a model, everyone wants to hang out with you and be with you as an American model over there. And your face is plastered everywhere. So I said, I'm not going out anywhere unless people talk about my movie that I'm trying to raise money for. They're like, what's that? So anyway, I went out and they said, what's your movie? And I just went um, Psycho Sushi, which I didn't know, but I thought everyone was a little crazy and everyone ate sushi. What's it about? Um, LA, because I'm from LA, Tokyo, because I'm in Tokyo. Then Hot Love, because I had all the hot, you know, the motels and all the sexy stuff I was into. And, and Cold Fish, because we always had Cold Fish. Um, okay, that sounds interesting. And it's what is it about? A girl who goes to Japan and models, <laughs> gets mixed up with the Yakuza or whatever, and write write to tell all books. I was writing a book about my experiences there. And the Yakuza come and get her in America and all that. So anyway, they said, um, where's the script? I said, it's right here. I'm not giving it to anyone. <laughs> what about the budget? You know, I said, the budget's right here. I said, it's a million dollars. Like, how's it a million dollars? How do you know? I said, everyone just puts in the numbers because this is when Tarantino was doing Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And movies and all the independents, all of them were a million dollars. So I was going to all those film festivals. So I just said, it's just a million. I don't know why. So you plug in the numbers. I said, then when you're done shooting, it's always a quarter million more for marketing that you always ran out of money. So I'm going to hit you up for another, you know, quarter million eventually after we shoot. So they started laughing. And I said, it's just the way it is. And I said, but this is not about, they said, what if we lose it? I said, it doesn't matter because I learned from modeling there. They were paying such high taxes, like 60, 70% of their money and they can't own anything. They have to drive Toyotas, which is the company car, the computers, the company, their credit cards, the company to go out and, you know, a network every night to all the clubs. And so I said, nothing's yours anyway. If you lose the million, you just don't pay the taxes on the million. So I said, what I'm going to do is give you stories when you're old, your legacy stories to tell your children and grandchildren about your year in America. And I said, you're buying so much real estate. I will help you buy real estate with my friends and you'll get a much better rate. Japanese come in, they double the price. You know, I said, at least add 20%. I said, then you're going to get to better your English and you're going to get to meet American actresses. And that was, I was excited to them. So I said, this is about experience. You're buying an experience, not it's don't think of it as an investment. And they ended up giving me a million dollars within three months. And I go, okay, now I got to write a script and put this <laughs> together. And now I'm a director and now I'm a, you know. So I just did you feel like you took back control then? You know, you, you, you left acting yeah. and then all of a sudden then it was like, okay, I'm in the driver's seat here. Yeah, they said you have to star in it because they said at least we'll get our money back in Japan because I was pretty big there. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand I'm quitting acting. I want to direct. So we compromised where I had a small role. I, I made a character, the, a best friend of the star. 
So I was like 10 minutes of the movie, you know? So uh-huh. I was kidnapped, then hidden away. So I was out of the movie for a while, then back and then done. <laughs> and so where so. did the coaching evolve from? What, what happened that um, you started on that way of life? Well, because then I um, decided after some of this stuff that something was still broken inside of me. I think when you have a traumatic experiences or um, someone's constantly telling you you're wrong or you have to think this way and be that way, there's a disconnect of knowing who you really are. And I think if you don't know who you are, someone will tell you who you are. Absolutely, yeah. It's really important to know thyself. So I thought, you know, I need to go on my hero's journey um, I'm sure you've heard of the hero's journey or the alchemist with Paulo Coelho. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And really discover yourself alone and figure it out. So I was obsessed with Christiane Annapur at the time. Do you know who she is? She was a war reporter. Yes. She's from Iran and she was on CNN forever doing all the war reporting in Bosnia and Afghanistan. And I thought that would be a great job. So I heard Iraq you know, they were always in the war, the Gulf War, then Desert Storm. And I, they, you know, their airlines were shut down, no fly zones. So you had to go to Jordan and take an 18 hour bus ride into Iraq. And I thought I can do that because they said Al Qaeda, they didn't have that name. They said terrorists at the time, but it was Al Qaeda sometimes goes on there and kidnaps Americans. So I thought I could go to Iraq, take this bus ride, get kidnapped. Then I could write a book with al-qaeda and i could bond with them because i bonded with the hitchhikers you know the people i got in the car so i said i get along with the bad guy so i said i understand them so i could bond with them then write this book why do you want to kill people why do you torture people why are you doing you know i thought i could do that with them they'd say oh lisa of course <laughs> let's chat and um then i thought then i could get it published of course because it would be fascinating that i could get on cnn then i could become a war reporter and done And then, uh, so I planned all that and I went there and I go to um, New York International, then to go to Jordan. And I see a woman sitting there by herself for like an hour. So I go up to her, oh, where are you going, Jordan? And she says, no, Iraq. I go, oh, where are you going by myself? You're going to Iraq by yourself? Are you nuts? Did you know that the trains? She goes, yeah, I know. I said, what are you doing that for? She goes, I'm going to kill myself. I'm like, what? And she's around my age. She said, and told me her story of how, you know, she's the prize of the family and they're forcing her to be like the lawyer and the good girl and that, and she wants this whole different life and she can't, otherwise it's shame to the family, same situation stuff. And I said, well, I'm going there to get kidnapped and this is what I want to do. And she's like, oh my God, I said, let's do it together. She said, okay. So we went there together and on the bus, I had like a fake Louis Vuitton, fake cubic, you know, cubic zirconia. Oh, you want my papers? Oh, here's my diamonds. My dad would kill me if I had these. Do you guys do this? Because I want to make these into rings over there. I heard gold there was good. Oh, my Louis Vuitton, you know, nobody. Oh, Habibi, welcome, welcome. I'm like, what happened to the news saying all these terrorists? This is awful. (laughs) So we made it there and went to all the danger zones, went here and went there. And her, her family's from Tilcap, also the Christian area, a small village with caves. And they just have a church, a restaurant, a school. And um, so we went there and we got a tour of her house. She moved when she was four. And my dad lived right there, too. So it was fascinating. And then I see an orphanage there. I'm like, oh, there's the orphanage. So I, you know, beeline to the orphanage and I start talking to the kids. Who are you? What's going on? They say, oh, my my dad died. My uncle lost his leg. This person, this. Why is everyone bombing us? Nobody cares. No one's here to protect us. The whole international community, especially Americans. 
And I said, I care about you. I'll memorialize your words. No, you won't. Yes, I will. How are you going to do that? I don't know. I'll figure it out. So I started recording them and, you know, audio and video and writing notes. And then when I came back home, I thought, how am I going to memorialize their words? Yeah. Then that same Japanese company said, at least we want to offer you this job doing trade shows around the world, like four times a year to like go to Malaysia, go to Macau, go to Prague, go to Amsterdam, go to, you know, whatever, Paris, all these places for two days. I said, well, I'll do it if you make it 10 days for me. You pay for a 10 day trip for a hotel and, you know, essentials, a hundred bucks a day or whatever, then I'll do it. And they said, okay, because I was really good with people and they, we already had a relationship and there was trust. So I started doing that. Then I ended up going, here it is. I wasn't thinking we we're talking about this. So I ended up going to 15 orphanages in five years and interviewing kids and staying there and wow. helping figure it out, you know, who are we and, you know, what are we doing here? And it ended up like changing my life. So I wrote a little bit about the journey um, of the experience. And then, I'll, you know, this is like where I ended up going. Wow. So I, yeah. So, and it was so fascinating. And I asked the kids three questions. Is God fair? Why or why not? If you had one wish, what would it be? And who in the world would you want to meet most and why? And just getting the answers from Australia, from Malaysia, from China, from Iraq, from, it was just so fascinating. And this took me on that journey. And then I said, now I want to adopt a child. And because okay. I met some kids, then I met a guy and he saw me on this. He's like, oh my God, I want to help you publish it. And so I said, okay. And then we ended up getting married. Then he said, let's adopt a child because this is what you want to do. So we adopted a, a girl. And then um, I went to Barcelona. I said, I want to go live in Barcelona for a while just to, because I love Europe so much. And I brought my daughter there. And then um, I gave this book out to schools and libraries and everywhere. And then I started getting asked to speak everywhere. Then the mayor got it because they want to talk to people who just moved to Barcelona and your experiences there, especially going in the school system because Ava was in the school system. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be in front of like 12 people, 15 people. And it was like 500 or a thousand people, huge audience put me on stage. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not a speaker. I'm not anything. I just wrote, I'm not an author. I just whipped up this book, but I ended up sharing because I did fun facts and how to say like, hello, goodbye. I love you. And thank you in each language and fun facts. Like, did you know in Singapore, you could get thrown in jail by chewing gum, you know, like all this stuff that I was doing. So I just did this thing. And then I got bombarded we speak at the school the second graders sixth graders high schools colleges we go to this woman's group this yoga group bah, 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 bah. so all of a sudden it was okay now I'm an author speaker and wow. that's how it happened wow. so then when I went back to United States I thought I should get a master's in psychology since I have all this street smart and all this and it looks like I'm organically coaching people and working with kids just so I did that then they put me for my 3,000 hours in a jail you know, in a prison, um, Chowchilla prison for women. So I started working with them and then it was changing lives. Like, what are you doing? I, and she called me soul blazing. She goes, Lisa, you blazed my soul with one of these inmates of going therapy doesn't work on me. You can't do anything at the end. She's like, oh, you blazed my soul. I'm like, you just gave me the name of my business. Amazing. So amazing. And that's, um, that's the name of your book as well. Soul blazers. Mm -hmm. Soul blazing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 So is, it was a fun journey. What 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 is that? Is that like the, your your journey that we've just spoken about, or is it more in depth? 
Yeah, this is about transforming your imposters into superpowers to live a more purposeful, authentic life. And what I learned was that we all are trained to um, be a certain way by yeah. childhood. So this is your, you know, boundaries. You know, if I'm Middle Eastern, we're taught, you know, you get married, you know, by 25, otherwise you lose your shelf life. You have to cater to the man. Women always come second. I always offer food and tea and mm -hmm. it's always what's best for the other person, sacrifices everything. You know, you don't go out, you don't really date, you're proper, you don't laugh out loud, you don't smile, showing your gum, just smile. You dance once on the dance floor, not twice, you're a whore, you know, if you do all these things. So that becomes, oh, this is who I am. Or you rebel against it and do the extreme opposite and destroy your life. Okay. You know, so I'm looking at it going like, um, okay, how do you do this? So when talking to people, especially through my master's program, I, you know, I worked with like hundreds of people. And I thought, especially in the prisons, and I worked with a lot of foster kids and a lot of orphans. And so I thought, you know, what are they telling me? Where are they coming from? Oh, this person's coming from a victim mentality. This one's coming from an overthinker. Oh, I would love to do this and that, but I can't. I don't have the skill. I never went to college. or I don't have the money or, or this one's a seductor, you know, especially in Hollywood. I got men trying to seduce me. If you do this and that, I'll give you a role. And mm -hmm. I got women that, oh, I did this and that, and I have shame about it, but hey, now I'm starring in this project and I'll deal with it. So it's seductor, they go through life or the joker where you throw someone under the bus for your humor, for your gain. It's only funny if both people are laughing, not yes. if you use someone else's, you know, and the fixer where, oh, I can't, and I'd love to do that. But, you know, my mom has cancer and my sister's got this and I, I'm the only one who could take care of, you know, your whole life is, because you're afraid to look at yourself or to grow or to step into your own power um, or the judge. You're always just judging other people. And, oh, look at that person. Look at that person. Oh, I hate money. And, oh, look at that person is just always career oriented or they're so family. It's so gross listening to them talk about their kids all the time. It's like whatever it is, it's always judging, judging. So I'm like, oh, so there was about 15 of them that I found. But I go, let me kind of condense them into seven. So it's, you know people could grasp it. So I thought, oh, we come into the world with our soul, our authentic soul, which is a seed. And this is who you're supposed to be in the world. It's your visionary. You were all given a seed that we're supposed to discover what that is and water it and give our gift to the world. And our imposters are our personality, our ego that was created in childhood, because life can't be just simple. Oh, let me just go on my journey. Yeah. Life is about the obstacles. That's what helps you grow. That's what makes it worthwhile. If everyone could be the biggest star in the world, it's not interesting. If everyone could be the president, it's not interesting. So what do you have to do to get there? So we create all these, what I call imposters, to get in your way and start sabotaging you. So you, can, you have to develop strength and strategies to conquer your own negative side mm -hmm. to make it. And if you don't do this work and you make it, you're miserable. I've worked with a lot of people. You know, my husband was a big um, television producer and showrunner and created, you know, big hits on TV. And I was with all these top actors and filmmakers and so many of the writers on oh, another soul sucking day. That's how they started their day. I'm like, you're writing the best comedy on TV. Are you kidding me? You're making gazillions of dollars and you have great kids and you're this another soul sucking day. Are you crazy? You need soul blazing, dude. I would talk to him. They go, no, it's just the stress of coming up with something funny every day, the stress of the studio. And and, I and, and another person is looking at them, like another person is looking at them going, you have the ideal life and they're, you, you, it's so bizarre, isn't it? It's like the grass is oh, not greener. 
they're making almost a million a month and then they get residuals on top of that forever and really your life's that horrible and you work like seven hours a day and you get to create and meet all these amazing people and go on private planes to all these places with the studios are you but i thought oh it's because they don't know themselves and they're coming from a place of pleasing and i'm not good enough and nothing will be good enough so if you don't do the work on yourself you're going to be rich and unhappy so I'm trying to teach people how to be rich and happy, how to be successful, but on your terms where you're not um, doing the um, walk of shame and you're not um, making choices out of desperation or to be loved. You love yourself first and say, now what choices do I want? And you could be aware of, oh, this is happening. This is an opportunity for growth. Why am I being offered this? Or why is this person doing this to me without judging it? without saying, oh, I'm mad at you or I'm insulted. You just go, oh, interesting. Look at what's happening right now. Now I get a choice to choose which road or which path do I want to go on. So it really is a beautiful process. And I studied um, improv so much with the Groundlings. It's a big uh, uh, improv troupe here, like Second City and the Groundlings. And you get to be different people as you wear different masks. So like if you're playing, say, a character that's a white, then you get to play the character that you're the wife but you're also cheating and now you're also the best wife there ever was so you're wearing all these different characters of mm -hmm. the same one to help express and to help you know know your backstory you create a backstory so then when you do the scene you have all so much more texture uh, and depth to your part and i thought oh my god if i put this into my therapy practice so what I do is I get people and they come in and I'm like, okay, stand up, turn around, do this, do that. And I give them all these improv exercises. And they're like, what's going on? You know, it's like, this is how you grow. And then you just see substantial growth and fun and laughter. So when I do big events, I bring people up on stage and I have them do all these improvising um, scenarios. Like I was um, told go to Singapore and speak with like a week's notice and it was all men and it was a business and sales um big retreat and it was a couple of days and it was like 500 Asian men from all over in their blue and gray suits and I was already in Japan so I understood them very well so I'm like I don't do business I don't do sales that's not my thing they go just do you you know we need a female we're all there's seven men we just need a female so they flew me in and I go up there when I go on stage and I had nothing, no, no show, no slideshow, no content. How many of you know what a soul blazer is? Of course, nobody raises their hand. Okay, we'll learn. Come up. I need a volunteer. Nobody raised. I said, I was already paid. If someone doesn't come up here, I'm out of here by the count of five, five, four, three, two. And then someone comes up. I'm like, great, sell me something. And they're oh, so, you know, here you go. And da, da, da. And I, oh my God, I'm so bored. You know, how many feel disconnect? Now go across the stage and just go and be like this tiger. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. Because they're so concerned. Come on, let's do it. And I get their arms and they start doing it and they do it more and more. Everyone's laughing. Then I say, sell me something. And then they, oh, because now they're familiar with me. They're yeah. giggling. They're in the, and they sell and everyone's like, oh, like impressive. And then they see the difference in like one minute that you could have once you get into your skin, into your body and step into your power. And then I got high, rated the highest speaker there. And I just winged the whole thing, just goofing off and laughing with people. And, it's, and, and it's, you're really just giving them courage to be themselves. Yes. And it taught them something that all you have to do is flip the switch and you get to be who you truly feel you are inside, but it's boxed up. 
you don't have the um, confidence to just like, hi, how are you? You have to go, hi, nice to meet you. You know, this is how you're trained. This was their box growing up. You always have to be super proper and this and that. You don't get to just say, hey, buddy, what's going on? And it just freed them up so much. And then, of course, at the end, I said, oh, if you want private coaching, because I want to go to Bali and it's right there. It's a jump skip away. And I uh, said, I'm doing a retreat there for two days. It's $5,000 a person. I'm only taking five people. Where we go, go to the back of the room now, first five people, and boom. So then there was like all this extra money. And it was going to three hours a day for two days. And I stayed there 10 days. And it was like, great. That's but but it's but it's yeah but but it's such it's such a great story of how you use your power like and you know it's it's like going into a room full of suited men when you've sat in a car with a hell's angel or you've yeah. gone to you know it's it's not a daunting situation it's just it's part of you and it's so yeah. what what do you do for to work on your authentic soul like do you have to keep working on that daily yeah. or Daily, if I don't do it for a week or two, I start going to, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm yeah. a fraud, I'm an imposter, I have imposter syndrome. Why is someone, why are you calling to talk to me? I know nothing. I'm little Lisa from San Diego, little Chaldean girl. All of it comes back and it's okay. just like horrifying. I'm like, what the heck, what is going on? So yeah, I have up in my room here, the, they say you are the five closest people to you. Mm -hmm. You're a motivation of them. So I have Gandhi, I have Simone de Beauvoir, Herman Hess, Oprah, Anais Nin, Maya Angelou, uh, Pablo Picasso, Wayne Dyer, Aubrey Hepburn. So I have all these people that I look at and I, and I know the aspect of them that I like and I've written it down. And then I have my, you know, whatever issue, I, I do something called a mind dump. Okay. So you just close your eyes, set the alarm for, you know, two hours. I'm sorry, two minutes. And you just write down your thoughts. Boom, boom, boom. What's coming to me? Oh, I've got this. I'm nervous about that. Or this person said this to me and I've got to figure that one out. And you write it down and you go, oh my God, almost all your thoughts are negative. And they say you have 40 to 70,000 thoughts a day and they're repeated and you keep saying them for year after year. Um, I've had clients that, oh, in seventh grade, my dad said I was dumb. So I never went to college and I never amounted to anything. So like 30 seconds of your life when you were like 14 yeah. or 15 you're gonna base your whole life on are you kidding me so I so I wrote down like um, oh I always say yes to people because that's what I'm trained to do so one of my I'm the master of the word no you know so you turn it to the opposite um you know as a person living in Hollywood we're always aging so I'm a timeless ageless goddess just like Aubrey Hepburn or somebody like that right I am the undisputed champion of self-forgiveness because we all beat ourselves up so I'm the champion of forgiving myself and others. I stand in my optimal brilliance because why not? Why stay in your weakness or not being smart? So if I'm creating something, oh, I'm in my optimal brilliance in my work and my books and everything. I experience the support of everyone around me because of course, when you're in Hollywood, people are jealous of you, jealous of your success and people always trying. So no, that's not my experience. Everyone supports me. Then when you have that, when you meet people- yes they shift and yes. some of that energy goes away and they're there for you. Um, I stand in my vulnerability because I don't want to just be perfect all the time. I think it's important to share. I still go through that, even though I've done this work for 15 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. You can't say, oh, I'm perfect. And I don't have, it. I do. I've got a ton of insecurities, but I do all this work daily and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll figure it out. And when you do it, 
and then you claim it each day. So if someone says, how are you? Oh, I wake up each morning with clarity, you know, because sometimes I've been waking up with brain fog. So I'm going, cancel, cancel. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wake up each morning with clarity. How are you doing? You know, so you start incorporating your new affirmations into your life. Yes. And you can get them from the internet and stuff, but I think it's more important to create them from your own personal thoughts and do the reverse on them and declare it as a declaration and then use it in your daily life. Love it. And I love the the fact that you brought up the word no, because like no is a complete sentence. It's yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> it's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. The business side of things, how do you keep on top of that? Like you, you, what do you keep control of and what do you delegate? Do you try to delegate a lot or yes? Yeah. In the beginning, it was hard because you don't have the money. Yeah. But I did trades with people. Oh, you're good at social media. I'm good with writing. Yes. I'll write your stuff. You post my stuff or do the, you know, graphic design. So yeah. I did that a lot. Will you come over and help me organize? I will come over and help you write your book. I'll give you an outline. I'll give you a, you know, so I did a lot of that. So now I have a, a team. I hired one woman who has her team that does all my social media, my newsletters, all of that stuff. Um, does my optimization and YouTube and yeah. whatever, all that stuff. So what I do is I write the content in just a word form. I give it to them and I do a lot of interviews and I like this. Yeah. So they would take this interview and then take some of the stuff I said and make it into a newsletter. Okay. So, okay. so it's my words, my stuff that I have three or four books and they're, they take from that. Then they show it to me. Wait. Like today we went over it at 10 to 11 for all of August. So that's for okay. the next four. So we have our game plan for each quarter. What's the messaging? What do we want to share? What's the call to action? And then we start uh, layering it and putting it out based on my content. And I love that because like my, my next thing to ask you was about efficiencies and using this and using other pieces of content to be more efficient because you don't have to create something new all the time. You use what you have. Yeah. 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 It's so good. It's so good. What piece of advice would you give to a busy one-to-one -one coach? Because like, it, I mean, a, a lot of people start out and, you know, they might have 40 hours in the diary, but it's, you know, one-on-one -on -one and maybe not very monetarily um, inviting. What would you say to somebody who's trying to reach a wider audience? I would do group Zooms. Okay. Yeah. That's what I started doing because I had that same issue. So now I have two groups that are about 35 or 40 in each one and each pays $25 a week. Okay. And so it's a lot of money at the end of the day, because you're doing a lot more people, 35, yeah. 40 people. And then it's worth your time. It's just one hour and you're with all these different people who are getting benefits. But yeah. then I have, I created content and, you know, little workbooks and exercises and tools. And I give them that also, but I already did it. So sharing it's not extra work for me yeah yeah excellent excellent what are the three biggest lessons that you've learned since you started in business since or, i started in business yeah what would you uh, say that if you i mean if there was anything i know that we learn from failure but if there was anything that you go back and go okay i i will not make that mistake again or i will not do that again I would probably say I would get a coach early on. Okay. Um, or a mentor, even if it's a friend. Yeah. Um, and even if it's a dead person, you know, like if you don't have money at all, getting a good book from someone who you really admire, like if you're saying, oh, this is the direction I want to go in. Um, 
I would read their book, read it again. Like Think and Grow Rich is a great book. Yeah. Napoleon Hill. It's still, it's, it's timeless. I read that book like 10 times, you know, okay. in one year. And then I read it every year for like five years, just going, oh, this is how you create a goal. It's so simple. And I think so many people back in the 40s and 50s and 60s wrote such great stuff that still works. Um, so I would just absorb myself into um, what you want to do and who's the leader in that field, either alive or past. And I would just take that on. And then I would start, um, if you have the finances, start taking a couple of their workshops or webinars because they're all over today, much easier to access than before because yes. of Zoom. And I would take um, some of these classes and um, yeah, learn from them. And a friendship is everything. It's not who you know, it's who knows you and who likes you. So I would really start the outreach of creating community Mm -hmm. and if you want to be a leader, start being a leader. You know, I have events at my house all the time, like four or five times a year with 150 people and maybe four or five times a year with 30 or under, you know, like 15 to 30 people. Mm -hmm. And what that does is help people get to know you better Yeah, and it's connecting people and they're growing and learning together. So they're always going to associate you with, oh my God, I learned so much or I grew so much. Brilliant. So I would definitely bring in community because that's super important. You can't make it alone. Um, get a coach or a mentor, even if it's a book. Um, and that's your mentor. And I'd study it every day for an hour. That's why I work with these people, all my mentors. So I have their books around and I read passages from them, just open and go, okay, what are you thinking to yeah. get that inside me to help me make decisions when the right decision comes along? And that's, that's um, such good advice because we think that you have to go to somebody for that and and like books are there books are available yeah. and it's it's such a, it's such a and it's such a a, a a a not expensive source of information as well which exactly. is fantastic yeah yeah and you can even get a lot of it online you know just googling the person and reading and um but i found um so YouTube videos, you get some of these older people that have been around forever speaking. And, you know, I have a couple of my favorites. I love Sadhguru right now. So I listen to his stuff a lot. And, you know, that's my, instead of watching the news, I do that because the news drives me crazy. You know, it's not even, nobody's for the people anymore. It's all yeah. about, you know, yeah. you know, just who's going to get more money in politics. And yeah. so that's just so frustrating. So I said, you know what, I can't make a difference in that area. Let me focus on what I can. Let me keep growing, learning and staying in a place where I'm calm and I have clear thinking so I could help others do that. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. What about you for the future? Have you anything in the pipeline coming up that you can talk about? Have you any projects? Yeah, um, I actually teamed up with Larry Namer, who co-created E-Entertainment, that big platform. Um, and now he's creating another one. So I'm creating a reality show of soul blazing. Wow. So, yeah. I have to turn it in by September 1st and then I have to create the deck. Now I just created the show. Now I have to make it pretty and present it. And I'm finishing up my book. I have a strong first draft. So now I've got to just sit on it and go over it. It's called under a Baghdad roof. And it's part of the story I told you about going on your hero's journey. Oh, amazing. I love it. That's brilliant. Talking back, back, yeah. Um, at Corporate Cam, we're about taking a risk to create your own happiness. What advice would you give to somebody who's just sitting, procrastinating? What would you say to them about just maybe taking that leap into the unknown? 
Well, if they're sitting home alone and unhappy, that means their imposters are out. They've got one of these imposters. I'd go to my website, take the imposter quiz and find out which, <laughs> which imposter is dominating your life. Lovely. And I would really focus on um, why you feel that way. You know, I do a morning routine, something for the mind, body, heart, soul every day. So I read something for the mind. Um, uh, I, you know, exercise, even if it's everything you do for one minute, you could do the whole thing in five minutes or it could be an hour. You know, I do stretching or I go for a walk or a jog or a hike, but even just stretching for a couple of minutes, I write something nice to somebody. I love you and thank you for this, something of gratitude for the soul. And um, so when you do something in each area, you um, start liking yourself better. And when you give back, so if someone's sitting home, um, I first do this morning routine, I would look myself in the eyes in the mirror and say, I love you. I love you and say your name and look at yourself until you really feel it. Because if you don't love yourself, you're not going to do anything for yourself because you're not worthy. And I would do volunteer work. Anytime I did volunteer work when I was in a slump, I started liking myself more because I was seeing the difference I was making in other people's lives. So um, it then brought other opportunities. People saw me doing that. Oh, you come work on this. Will you do that? Then I met people and just life unfolds. But if you isolate and just, you know, having a pity party for yourself alone, You'll never get out of it. You'll go to drugs, alcohol, TV, just self-destruction, overeating. But yeah. if you get out there, just walk out the door and who can I help? So many people need help. And then when you're helping, you're helping yourself. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I love it. The most selfish thing you can do in a way, you know. Um, every episode of Corporate Cam, I have a quick fire round for our guests. And okay. um, it's just a quick this or that. So Lisa, group or one-to-one -one work? Group. In person or online? In person. Tea or coffee? Coffee. The sun or the slopes? The what? The sun uh, or the slopes? Oh, uh, sun. A book or a podcast? Book. Uh, at home or traveling around? Traveling. Uh, sweet or savory? Savory. And teaching or learning? Um, God, both uh, teaching. Yeah, you, you can have both. You can have yeah, both. Yeah. Where can listeners find you? Um, soulblazing.com is my website. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn under Lisa Haisha, L-I-S-A-H-A-I-S-H-A. -A -S -S -A. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for being part of the Corporate Camp podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It was really fun. You're really terrific. You're I'm creative. so grateful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Corporate Cam podcast. Please subscribe, leave a nice review. It really does make a difference. Or simply come back and listen to us next time. My name is Linda Monaghan, inspiring you to take that leap from corporate to cam.